Have you ever read or, or heard a verse in the Bible and you just thought, that just cannot be true? You know, I wonder if some of us, if we've read some of the Bible, been exposed to some, maybe even in this environment, that maybe we've had an experience that felt a little bit like that, maybe around something that really sounded quite controversial in the Bible, or maybe something that kind of feels like it requires that miraculous, really hard to believe it could have actually happened kind of faith. But what about something that I don't think we'd say is controversial and doesn't really sound all that miraculous? What about something you even want to be able to believe? Have you heard something like that and ever had the feeling like, oh, that just, that just can't be true? If you have a Bible app, uh, you'd be welcome to, to open it if you want to follow along or you can follow along with the, the verses on the screen. As I want to read for us a few verses uh, from the letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, 13 to 19, I'm going to summarize some of these verses. It, it says this. It says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You belong here. It's the good news here from the scriptures. It's something uh, we try to say often in this environment. We want to say that to you today. According to the context of this passage, it's, it's intended to be the message of the church. And it, it sounds so good doesn't it? But the question is, is it actually true? Because why do I get the sense that so often so many of us feel like we don't necessarily believe it? Like we're not sure if we belong. Like we struggle and wrestle with feeling like we're sort of outsiders in some way. I want to share two stories that I think illustrate this, this feeling and experience. And the first one is about a guy named Charles and his time at Yale University. Charles Vogel, in his book, uh, The Art of Community, he, he tells about his experience doing his master's studies in his 30s at, at Yale. And one thing we have to kind of notice about his story right away is that Yale University, if you haven't heard, is a very prestigious uh, institution. As an Ivy League school and the, the third oldest in, uh, in North America, uh, only 6% of the people who apply to get into Yale actually get in. You basically have to have had straight A's in every class you ever took in your life to even get considered. It's a pretty high entry standard. And you'd think that once you got in, you'd know that you're in. You would know that you belong. And yet as Charles described his experience, he found himself in his early days as he walked the halls of Yale, constantly feeling kind of like an imposter. As though at any moment someone would discover him for the fraud that he thought he was, that he did not fit in, that he didn't belong. And what's more is that as he began to share and explore some of these feelings with some of his friends and peers, he discovered that they all kind of felt the same way. Now for the second story, and this one is about Linda at church. It's about Linda at our church, in fact, because Linda is a very real member of our community, someone who's actually been a part of our community uh, for a couple of decades. And one thing that's kind of neat about Linda's experience is that on the very first Sunday, her and her husband ever joined us for a gathering. They got invited to someone's house after the service for lunch. It was a great initial welcome. And since then, for, for almost 20 years, Linda's been involved in a variety of, variety of ways. She's even led in a few uh, places around here. But recently, Linda shared for me that she and some of her friends she was chatting with 
were also kind of wrestling with their sense of belonging, with whether they fit or had a place at the table. Even for someone like Linda, who has all the credentials of an insider. Now, what fascinates me about both of these experiences is that both Charles and Linda, they're obvious insiders by by all appearances and accounts. And yet both of them and their friends are wrestling with whether or not they actually belong. And I wonder how many of us here today, we can, can relate to that in some way, relate to that feeling regardless of what the Bible says. Because I think the fact is we all long to be insiders no matter where we find ourselves in any place or situation. And the good news of the church is that it's this is the place where it says everyone is supposed to be, is supposed to belong. And yet so often we wrestle with this feeling as though we don't. And when I think about on the back end of a pandemic, when we're longing for connection and community and belonging as much as ever, what do we do about all this? That's what we want to drill into this week as we continue uh, this Live Beyond Yourself message series where we're looking at what does it look like to live beyond ourselves in the way of Jesus in every facet and dimension of our lives. And for this week, it includes, you know, our relationships, our community, our experience of connection and belonging. And what I want to talk about today and what I want to share with us is kind of the big idea is that I believe that the way to overcome being an outsider is to actually live like the ultimate insider. That the way to overcome that that insecurity or imposter syndrome, the feeling like we're a stranger or an outsider of some kind, it's actually to live differently, to live like the ultimate insider. Now, what does that mean? If someone, someone were to ask you, who is the ultimate insider in the church? Who would come to mind? You know, maybe you'd think of, you know, a priest or the pastor or or maybe even the Pope, kind of the the church at large. Or if you're thinking more particularly about our church, maybe you think of Mike Krause, our teaching pastor, or Jeff Lockyer, our lead pastor. Maybe our board of elders. Maybe you picture some of our hip young adults with long hair and tattoos and skinny jeans kind of representing the ultimate in crowd. Well, to, to sort of explore this idea of who's the ultimate insider, I want to return to the passage that we started with. Continue reading a little further in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 20, it, we keep reading this. It says, God is building a home. God used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with, and here it is, Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. You see, in this case, uh, we are talking about the Sunday school answer that I'm sure some of you could say out loud. It's Jesus. Because when it comes to insiders in the world of architecture, a cornerstone is the ultimate insider of any structure. The cornerstone is the first stone uh, that's laid. It's the stone that every other stone is positioned and aligned against. The whole structure revolves around. And in the church, Jesus is that cornerstone. Jesus is that insider, the ultimate insider. And if a life of Christian faith is about following Jesus and resembling Jesus in the world, then I want to suggest today that to truly embrace and experience belonging and connection in our relationships, I believe we need to follow, like we're talking about all series, follow with all that we've got. Jesus' example, if we're going to know and we're actually going to live like we're insiders too. So how do we do that? 
What does it look like to follow Jesus as the ultimate insider in our relationships? Well, to sort of explore that together, I want to spend a few important minutes looking at one other passage from the letter to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2. Now, this passage, this letter, it's written by the Apostle Paul, who also wrote the letter to the Ephesians. But, but one th- thing that might be worth noting, especially uh, for this week, is that as far as we're aware historically, this letter to the Philippians was written at least a year earlier than the letter to the Ephesians, which I, which I think can hint at its sort of first things first significance for us. And why as a community, we see it as such a foundational or cornerstone kind of passage that we turn to often including here when we're talking about this life of belonging we all long for. So in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then it says do nothing, do no things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Friends, I think this is one of the best places that we can look for teaching, for guidance, for for truth about what it means to live a life of belonging and meaningful relationships, to live like a true insider. And yet, as we look at what Paul is saying about Jesus here. And this is really sort of the point of a whole series like this. It is so counterintuitive and goes against our natural instincts. I think it also has the potential for feeling hard to believe because he's essentially saying that if you have any desire, any value, any benefit from experiencing Christ, and I think including experiencing Christ in community, in community like this, the body of Christ, then to truly experience the belonging Jesus has for us, you must actually go beyond yourself to make it a place of belonging and community for others. Look at this wording and translation uh, from the message translation of this passage. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit, a community like this one means anything to you, here's what you do. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Essentially, don't busy yourself with trying to get yourself to the inside. Help others get to the inside. Or how about from the voice translation? It says, don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. Get beyond yourselves. Could there be a better poster verse for this series? Get beyond yourselves and protecting your own interests. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interests first. Friends, isn't this kind of wild to consider? Because what he's saying is that the way to overcome being an outsider is to live like the ultimate insider. And the way to live like the ultimate insider who is Jesus is to go beyond yourselves for the sake of people beyond yourselves to help others know that they are insiders, to help others, not yourself, be on the inside. So I said, it's counterintuitive. It may kind of feel even unbelievable. Because what do we normally do? I think if you're like me, if your instincts are like mine, what we normally do is we normally get into relationships for what we can get out of them. You know, we normally try to arrange and manage our social circle, our group of friends in a way that stays safe and comfortable for us, often living in cliques far more than community. 
You know, we normally strive to live in neighborhoods or send our kids to school or sign up for activities and and sports, things like that, that we know will make our lives better. Even uh, in the church, I think we often try to connect with people or get involved in ways that, that we can get something out of it rather than what we might have to offer. I think sometimes we don't even really connect or reach out at all because we're simply waiting for someone to reach out to us. But what did Jesus do? Well, in verses five and six, we read this. It says, in your relationships with one another, like we're talking about this week, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, like we're talking about all the time. Who, what did he do? Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You see, Jesus poured himself out. Jesus left the comfort of the divine in order to come into the messiness of earth. Jesus took hit after hit after hit for associating with outcasts and disreputable people. Jesus broke social barriers by relating to people of other classes, other races, other religions. Jesus spent his energy caring for the needs and interests of others. And ultimately, Jesus gave up his life in a sacrificial death in order to make sure everyone could know that they are welcomed, loved, and included in the family of God. And what did that all add up to for him? In Philippians 2, 8, and 9, the passage finishes by saying this. It says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus became the cornerstone. Jesus became the ultimate insider. Jesus became the center of all things by decentering himself for the sake of others. And while let's be clear, this place of highest honor, it is Jesus's and Jesus's alone. I do believe that when we follow him, we seek to imitate him in this way in how we relate to others. You know, going beyond ourselves, uh, for people beyond ourselves, for the sake of making outsiders insiders, I think we actually begin to experience the true insider life that he has for us. So if what we normally do has us chronically feeling like outsiders, struggling to know if we fit in or belong, even if by all appearances we, we are insiders, kind of like some of Charles and Linda's experience. What if we actually traded our natural instincts for the supernatural way of Jesus? What if we tried going beyond ourselves for the sake of others, helping other outsiders become insiders? Maybe, just maybe then we truly know without a doubt that we are insiders too. And what's beautiful about Charles and Linda is that their stories weren't over. As Charles became aware of this false sense of insecurity and imposter syndrome, he wanted uh, to come up with a creative way to overcome that outsider syndrome. So he decided to start hosting a meal at his house every week where anyone was invited. Anyone who was looking for a place to belong could just come and share a meal together. As he writes about the experience, he said at first it was a little bit awkward at times as he thought, you know, quite a few people were coming and he'd make this elaborate meal and only three people would show up. But over time, as he consistently and faithfully week after week made this space and this invitation available after hosting over 500 people in his home for a shared meal and shared life together, a movement of belonging began to grow 
and it drastically changed the experience of community life at Yale. And what's cool is that regular uh, dinner guests started to become additional dinner hosts, making more and more space. And as people recognized that their shared false insecurities and anxieties could fade into the background, their sense of belonging and at-homeness and insiderness grew and rose to the foreground, drastically changing the trajectory of their experience. Closer to home, for Linda and her friends, a, a group of friends that affectionately refer to themselves and one another as the Sunflower Sisters, as they were wrestling and questioning a little bit their own place, their own sense of belonging during our crowded table series last spring, all of a sudden somebody in the conversation kind of shifted the conversation a little bit to say, well, what if there was a way we could help others who might have this feeling, maybe other outsiders who have this feeling even more, know that they're insiders. And what's cool about this conversation emerging in this group is that some of the group, as older adults, some even as singles or widows, that they are folks who have at times felt the fringes of society or even the church community. And as a bit of a, a side to their story, you know, when it, I think most of us, if not all of us, have had this feeling, the truth is that there are people who haven't just had the feeling, they've been legitimately sent the message that they don't belong, either in society or by the church. They've been outcasted, not included. Now, often they're the Mateos of our world, like Jeff Lockyer shared a couple of weeks ago. In the Ephesians 2, it's the Gentiles that Paul is writing to, a group of people who had been ostracized for centuries by the Jewish religious system and who now Paul said, no more because of Jesus. You are not strangers and outsiders. You are included and you belong. And the whole point of this is that it's not about Jesus magically flipping a switch in our feelings so we don't have to deal with that feeling anymore. My fear and my, my concern is that sometimes our insecurity about our belonging causes us to miss out on the invitation to invite others to belong, the calling to follow Jesus as the ultimate insider, to make other outsiders know that they belong. And what's inspired me about the Sunflower Sisters, even as folks themselves who have felt some of those edges of the margins, in their conversation about belonging, one person suddenly came up with the idea that what if, as we return to in-person uh, gatherings as we've been doing these last few months, what if rather than sitting all together as they had normally or, or used to do, what if instead they split up and they each found someone that was sitting on their own and they sat near them and they said hello and they introduced themselves? You know, it's a beautiful, creative, but simple, maybe even risky idea and example of what it can look like to follow Jesus, to go beyond yourself, the sake of people beyond yourself, to help someone who may be experiencing a feeling of being an outsider know that they're an insider and they belong. And what's cool about, when I think about this story, and consider this your heads up if you're participating in one of our locations and a kind lady sits next to you and introduces themselves, it may just be one of the Sunflower Sisters practicing this. But as this story is still in progress, as they're going to experiment with this, what I can't help but imagine that as they do, the Sunflower Sisters will be reminded and re-anchored in the fact that they belong, that they are insiders along with us. Friends, the good news is that you absolutely belong. And we want to foster that. We want to practice that. We want to share and extend that in our community, 
in very practical ways. And one of the, the best ways we can practically live this out and practice it is through something that we call life groups. It's not the only way, but it's kind of an avenue, a training ground, a, a chance to start creating this experience that trains us to live this way in all of our lives. And our life groups are just smaller configurations of people in our community, usually about eight to a dozen, who meet together regularly, generally in the fall, the winter, and the spring, to learn how to eat together, pray together, and love together, as we describe it. By eating together, we literally mean eating together because uh, there are few better ways to create friendship and relationship than by sharing, you know, a coffee or a snack or even a meal together. But more than that, kind of like the discipline and routine of regular meals, we mean creating a consistent and regular space, a different and more frequent kind of contact where friendships can be formed and mixed and mingled and savored just like a good meal. By praying together, we mean uh, adding and fostering a spiritual dimension to these relationships, that we would have a different kind of conversation that goes beyond, you know, sports or weather, just the average hustle and bustle of our lives and considers what role faith can play in our lives and what role following Jesus can play in our lives. And we encourage our groups, you know, most of the time to, to make some space to process things we share in our messages here so that everyone who calls Southridge home can have the opportunity and the space to ask honest questions, to push back, to share learning, share from experiences, and ultimately apply anything we share here meaningfully to our lives. And loving together is kind of the ultimate goal. When we commit to making this space for friendship and trying to grow in faith together, uh, we build this different depth of connection where we know what's going on in each other's lives. We celebrate the highs. We support one another in the lows. And out of that, we even have the opportunity to love others together by, as a group, serving those on the margins or inviting others into our group who are needing that love and acceptance as well. And what excites us is that we all have an opportunity starting this week to give this a try, to, to put this into practice, going beyond ourselves, to step into a kind of relationship that goes beyond just our own cares, concerns, and calendars by trying a life group this fall. At the end of our service, you're going to get a bit of direction and discussion on how right today you could, you could check out a group, sign up for a group. And if you're participating online with us this week, uh, you can fill out our connect card on the website and just check off. I'd like to, to join a group if you want to take this step and give it a try. And we will follow up with you and, and seek to get you connected to one of our groups that is getting going uh, in the coming weeks. But friends, as we do this, as we engage in community in this way, could we do it? like Jesus, living like the ultimate insider. Not primarily for what we can get out of it or so that we can kind of double down on our own sense of belonging, but so that we can actually help other outsiders know that they are insiders along with us. Because at the end of the day, the good news is this, that now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you have been brought near. You're no longer strangers and outsiders' friends. You belong here. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that in Jesus, you have made it possible and true for us all to belong, for us all to be welcomed. May you give us the faith and trust to know that, to believe that. And out of that belief, may we express our faith by living it.
by following you as our example, Jesus, living like you as our ultimate insider, seeking to go beyond ourselves, to others beyond ourselves, to invite them in, to include them in the same way that you went beyond yourself for our sake. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.